Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Marco DeBarros. I believe God's got a word for us. Uh, we're actually going to conclude our series on pioneering. Um, how many of you guys have been enjoying this series so far? Can you guys maybe bring that light down because it's blinding me? I can't see the middle. That's why I keep going this way or that way because it's like the middle is like I'm blinded by that light. I already seen the light. Um, I think I'm good in that department. Maybe we can get a little bit more light in the house if we can. I don't know if we can. Um, or maybe keep it this way because then it become a surgery room. Um, we don't want that. But we're going to conclude our series on pioneering by looking at another step. We've been kind of comparing our journey with the Israelites' journey, how they got into the promised land. And the last time, two weeks ago, we talked about how they crossed over. God opened the Jordan River, and they, and they crossed over. Oh, that's a little bit. I can see you. That's awesome. They, they crossed over into the place that God had for them. But what's interesting is the moment they cross over, it, it doesn't necessarily that they arrived. This is where I want to pick up from. This is why I wanted to do the song. Because the promised land is there, but there's a fight, right? So if you keep reading Joshua, which I encourage you to do, they, they cross over. They, they don't have much time to celebrate because right in front of them is this place called Jericho. And that's what we're going to pick up the story from. The Jericho was the first obstacle after they crossed the Jordan River. First of many. Okay. So, so sometimes we're like, when is it ever going to end? I think there's always going to be another level that God wants to take you through, but it takes a fight. That's why I love the song. That's why I want to call this message, When the Fight Calls. Someone say, fight. So open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. We're going to look at the first five verses in Joshua, the sixth chapter. Joshua 6. Are you there? Don't be quiet on me now. Joshua 6. Verse 1, again, they crossed over the Jordan, and not a lot of time to celebrate because they come face-to-face with the biggest challenge, one of the many. Go home and read this. It's, it's like one after another to fully secure their promised land, right? Now, the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites, which is awesome, right? Think about it already. They have heard the rumors of the Israelites, and so their gates are tightly shut to say, wait, we, we better protect ourselves here because here comes God's people, which gives you a great picture of how God wants you to live your life, not on defense, but on offense, okay? God calls you to live an offensive lifestyle, not a defensive one. You know, some Christians, every time you talk about, you know, life, all they say is, yeah, I don't do that, I don't do that, I don't do that, I don't do that. It's like, what do you do? Because God didn't call you not to do. He called you to do. Like live on the offense. Can you say amen? Right? No one was allowed to go out or in. The place was shut. Okay. Let me give you a picture of this place. Like how many of you guys are familiar with the, with the with this movie? Uh, not the movie. The show Game of Thrones. You familiar with Game of Thrones? I know you're in church, but you're not going to admit this. But you are familiar with the show, the Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, the big gates, right? The big throw. Like, that's, that's the picture of Jericho, okay? They, they, back in those days, that's how they protect their land, right? They would build huge 
towers, right, and, and make sure that the enemy stays out so you can protect your house, okay? You got the picture? I know you're lying. You're in church, but you know got the picture. Okay. I tried that show. I didn't like it. It was lame. That's my opinion. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I just lost some of you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> verse 2. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all his strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give you one last blast of the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. When the fight calls. You know, I grew up in Cape Verde. I didn't move here until I was 15. In Cape Verde, you were encouraged to fight. Like, that in Cape Verde is like a rite of passage. How many Cape Verdeans know what I'm talking about? It's a rite of passage. Like, that's how you become a man, right? They want you to kind of like hold your own. And so they would encourage you to get into fights. Now, let me just preface this. I'm not recommending this, okay? We got a lot of bullying issues going on in our, in our country right now. I'm, not, I'm just telling you how I grew up. Like, I grew up scrappy. I had to be. Got into a lot of fights, won some, and won't talk about the other ones. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but one of the things that, that we would, they would do to you as a kid is, like, if, if someone is kind of, like, testing you, they had this thing where... I don't know who came up with this thing, but they had this thing where they would, they would draw a line between you and the other guy, right? And the line was like, okay, we're about to square off. And the first person across the line is on, right? And then there's always that, like, weird, like, tension of the line is here, the person's here, and you just kind of, like, stare at each other, and you, like, push each other a little bit kind of a thing. And then the kicker is this. I don't know why, but, but the, the, the thing that will really set it off, if someone says something about the other person's mom. It's like, you say something about my mom, it's on. Like, I'm crossing over this line, and we're beefing. Anybody else did that? Like, that's how I grew up. That was, I'm, oh, man, I'm, I lost everybody. Okay, again, I'm not encouraging this, but that's how, that's how I grew up. But, you know, what's interesting is that, spiritually speaking, you are in a war. I don't know if you recognize this, but you're in a warfare, right? You don't, you don't fight people physically, right? They were in a physical fight that was also spiritual, right? Because they had a tangible physical enemy that took over the place that they were supposed to be at, right? And so they had to put up a fight to take back what was theirs, right? Spiritually speaking, you have to put up a fight to take back what the enemy has stolen from you, right? And so the moment you say to Jesus, I want to I wanna trust you, I want to live my life for you, you said yes to a battle, and that battle intensifies the more you walk with him. Like, I don't know if you, all of a sudden, when you get saved, it's almost like a whole nother world is open up to you. It's called the spiritual world. And you realize, wait a minute, all this stuff that I was going through wasn't just like life. It's a warfare. It's a warfare that is trying to keep me away from God's will, from God's purpose, but also from God's promises for my life. How many know that God's promises for your life is not just going to land on your lap? How many know you're going to have to put up a fight for the things that you want to see happen in your life? 
The war has already been waged. And the beautiful thing about God is that God not only tells you about the war, but he gives you the strategy to win the war. Right? But before you fight, the first thing you have to understand about fighting is that you have to identify your enemy. Because if you don't identify your enemy, then you'll fight all the wrong battles. Right? Can I prove it to you? Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 6. It tells you what the real enemy is. Right? Ephesians 6 says this. It says, look, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So your battle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, you don't have a human enemy. Now, the enemy will use humans, but the humans are not the real enemy. It's important to recognize that because if not, you will fight all the wrong battles. And you know what the worst thing about a war, which war is terrible. We know that already. But the worst thing about a war is friendly fire. You know what friendly fire is? Friendly fire is is when you are at war with the enemy, but you accidentally shoot the person that's on your team. Church. I need to tell you this morning, be careful with friendly fire. Right? We're in a war, but sometimes the enemy would love to turn that war on ourselves. Right? The enemy would love for you to fight your brother or your sister as opposed to fighting the real battle. If you're not using discernment, you will fight the wrong battles. Are you following? Okay? So, in other words, your boss is not your enemy. There might be a spirit there, but it's not your boss. It's what's using your boss. Your wife is not your enemy. There might be a spirit there, but your marriage is what you need to fight for, not your wife or not your husband. Okay? And I can go on and on. Your kids are not your enemy, or kids, your parents are not your enemy. Right? It's the spirits that will try to come and disrupt the flow of families, will disrupt the flow of a workplace, disrupt the flow of a church. Your pastor is not your enemy, okay? Your, your spiritual leaders are not your enemy. Discern the voice of the Lord before you engage. One of the greatest things in this walk with the Lord is discernment. Did you know this? Jesus told Peter, one of his best friends, he told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, how would you like to be Peter in that moment? Like, Jesus, you just call me Satan. No, I'm not calling you Satan. I'm calling that spirit that's trying to use you to persuade me away from God's will. In other words, get this. This is going to be challenging. Sometimes the voice of the enemy comes through familiar faces. Now, that would preach. Peter was the closest disciple to Jesus. And Jesus said, you get behind me right now. That's the sermon. What Peter said, if you read it, it sounds good. Peter said, no, Jesus, you're going to stay with us forever. Like, we're not going to let anything happen to you. But he didn't understand that by saying that, the enemy was trying to say, Jesus, don't go to the cross. Don't go pay the price for the sins of the world. Like, just stay with us. Like, in other words, it was a good advice, but it wasn't a godly advice. There's a difference between good advice and godly advice, okay? I've had many people in this three years trying to advise me into things that I should or shouldn't do, but you have to use discernment. 
Okay, this is why it's so critical to surround yourself with people who have discernment so you can discern the will of God in your life. There's good advice and then there's godly advice. Are you following? Right? So recognize the real enemy because we are in a spiritual battle. And the enemy doesn't just show up and say, I'm here to ruin your life. If he did that, we all would run the other way. Right? But the enemy you will use subtle ways to try to persuade you away from God's will. Can you say amen? amen. Listen, anytime the Lord is getting ready to take his people to another place, or to another level, there's warfare. Okay? In that warfare, in that warfare, now hear me, in that warfare, there's pruning. Do you know what pruning is? The Lord will take away stuff that's going to hold you back from the next level, right? Pruning hurts sometimes, but pruning is for our own good, okay? Because pruning says, okay, I'm making room for you to be able to bear more fruit. He says, I will prune you so that you may bear more fruit. In other words, so you can be more productive, right? So the Lord will prune things away from your life, and in the moment you may feel like, ah, this hurts, I don't like this. But the Lord knows better because he knows where he's trying to take you. So he will prune people away from you. He will prune situations away from you. It will prune uh, uh, things that you thought was good for you for better things. So you have to use discernment to say, Lord, what are you doing in my life right now? Because I don't want to be held back from where you're trying to take me. Can you say amen? amen. Right? Pruning is for bearing more fruit. But the problem with pruning is some people can't get over that hump. My prayer for you is let the Lord have his way so you don't get left behind and not see the fullness of his will in your life, right? This is, listen, the moment we say, hey, we got a building, a.k.a. promised land in a way, there's a warfare. Like, I can tell you right now, the last couple of weeks have been, the fight's been calling. And there's always warfare, but there's always a season that's intensified. There's always a season where it's like boom, boom, boom. There's like so many things that will try to crumble you. They will try to like push you back so you can stay back and not go forward. Right? But I'm here to declare to you it's a warfare and it's winnable because Jesus said you can win. You can win. You can win. Right? You can win. But the key is you have to understand that what he wants to do with us is more important than he wants to do with just you. The mission is way more important than the person, and the mission is way more important than the position. I don't know if you can catch what I'm trying to get at, right? Lord is always more concerned with community than he's concerned with I. So when the war comes, it's easy to, to turn inwardly and just think about I, but the Lord is always pushing us to think about we, okay? This is why I'm telling you, the fight is on. It's winnable, but we have to use a lot of discernment. Can you say amen? amen. It says that the walls of Jericho was tightly shut. You know what that is? That's the resistance. That's the resistance, right? You can't go no more. You came this far, you won't go any longer, Right? There's always that battle that comes. Now, now you're going to have to fill in the blanks here, but, but what is your Jericho? What is that thing that you come against and it's like it pushes you back? What is your Jericho? What does it look like? Right? 
It's all, I believe, it's all part of God's plan. Without Jericho's, we don't grow. Without Jericho's, we will always stay on the same level. It's the Jericho's of life that really brings out the best of you. It's the Jericho's of life that really stretches you that you fully understand this is what I'm made of. Like you don't know what you're made of until you get into some scrappy, dirty, grimy situations that you come back with a scar and that scar will always be a reminder of how faithful God is in your life. I'm more skeptical of people without scars. That means you've never been to a war. That means you've never been through anything. Right? You don't get scars in a classroom. You don't get scars taking online courses. You don't get scars being an online Facebook Christian. You get scars in real life, like with real situations. That's where you get scars. And that scar will always remind you, this is where God brought me through. When I was going through this situation, it was a fight. But man, you know what? You should see the enemy because God is faithful to take care of his people, to strengthen his people, to encourage his people. I'm scrappy in the spirit. You got to be scrappy in the spirit. Can you say amen? amen? The Jericho must come down. You know what's interesting when you see all their fight? Go back and read it. Jericho was the toughest one. It's almost God was saying, like, if you can take down Jericho, everything else would be cakewalk to you. Like, God starts with the high. Like, usually we're like, can we start low? <laughs> you know what I mean? You go in the gym, you're like, can I do 10 pounds? God's like, let's start with 500, <laughs> and then we'll work our way back. That's how God works. He'll put you under so much stress that you know, like, I can't do this on my own. It makes you want to cry out to him and say, God, you better come and take over. And do your will. But the battle is spiritual. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. Let me ask you some questions today that, that, that we need to consider. Right? How strong, think about this. How strong can a person's faith be if it's only lived in the comfort of one's surroundings and never challenged by being tested through serving others? You don't know how strong it is until it's tested. You don't know how strong it is until someone rebukes you. You don't know how strong it is until correction comes. You don't know how strong it is until someone challenges it. You don't know how strong it is until someone pokes it. How strong can he be if he's never put to the test of accountability of a community? When people say, I, I, I'm a Christian, but I, the church thing. But it's like, how can you know what kind of Christian you are if you never rub shoulders with other people? How would you ever know? Right? Think about this. Is it truly faith if a person never steps out of the boat? Is it truly faith if there was never a time where I have to go on a limb to see what's on the other side? Right? Without the Jerichos of life, we will never know what we are truly made of. Because we're in a war. But the war is winnable. Right? Let me show you the scripture. Powerful. Paul says this about this war. Look, he says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. 
my God. In other words, Jericho is in your mind. That's what Jericho is. You don't have a physical enemy, but you have a spiritual enemy in your mind right now as we speak. These are the Jerichos of life, the strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's the walls. That's what they used to call them back in those days, walls. You, bring, you raise up a stronghold against your enemy to stay out. The enemy works in the mind. I want to recommend a book to you, one of the best books you can possibly read, Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. You, you need to read that book. Like, you need to read that book at least 10 times. Not once, not twice, not three times. You know, you need to read it like 10 times. Why? Because this warfare will always be there. Right? But look what it says, right? To knock down strongholds of human reasoning. In other words, a lot of times, I told you, the enemy is good advice. Human reasoning comes against the grain of faith. There's a lot of advice that sounds good in the natural, but in the spirit, it's not God's will. And destroy false arguments. There's a lot of, like, one of the false arguments is, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's a stronghold. People don't even, because they don't discern, they just think they sound good. You ever met really good pop psychologist people? They love to analyze you in the natural, but have no idea what's going on in the spirit. Right? Like, there's two types of psychologists. Those who do it in the natural, and those who do it in the spirit. I believe this, right? I believe in psychology. I believe in, in, in counseling. I believe majority of the psychology and counseling you need in life is found in church every single Sunday morning when you come and you get God's Word in you. You can always supplement it with more, but I believe this. If you pay attention every Sunday, 52 Sundays, you're going to get 52 counseling sessions if you're paying attention. If you're catching what God is trying to do. Listen, you know how many people tell us this is where their marriage gets healed? This is where the young people find their focus. This is where life is being put back together. There's counseling going on as we speak. Right? But there are strongholds that are trying to hold you back right now. And what you got to pinpoint what they are because we're all different. We're all unique. But the good news is the strategy to win is universal. God has given us a universal strategy that could work for all of us. I want to give you the strategy that he gave them in the scriptures. Did you notice he said, Jericho is there, but I, here's how you're going to win. Okay. My mouth is really dry right now. So. Thank you. He says, here's how you're going to win this thing. The strongholds are thick. They're big. First thing I want you to do, I want you to march around the city for six days. Now, that makes absolutely no sense. That's a war strategy, God? Like, shouldn't we be thinking about, like, bombs and, you know what I'm saying? Like, B-52, something. He says, march around the city for six days. And you're like, what in the world does that mean? He's saying, watch this. He's saying, circle around that stronghold and cover it in prayer for six days. 
Speak over that thing in my name for six days. Take authority over that thing for six days. In six days, God created the man, and he said he was good. Take authority of what I was giving you in the first place. Don't you let Jericho determine who you are. I determine who you are. Before I do anything, first thing I need you to do is to, is to zero in on who I am in you. It's to zero in that, first of all, you're not going to do this in your own strength. You're not going to do this in your own power. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Learn to circle around in prayer and cover everything in prayer first because God always operates in prayer. Why? Because prayer says, God, I'm trusting you. I'm not trusting my strength. I'm not trusting my goodness. I'm not trusting my resources. I am trusting you. You're the one that's going to break through this wall. You're the one that's going to bring down this Jericho. In the natural, that makes absolutely no sense. In the natural, we do everything else and then pray. In the spirit, God says, no, you pray first. Put me first. Seek me first. And watch me take care of everything else that comes against the will of God. The ark goes before. Why? That's the presence of God. Prayer brings the presence of God. It says, you bring my presence first to your Jericho. And you begin now to bring Jericho to his knees by going to your knees. See, sometimes people think prayer is, is like an effort thing. No, prayer is the effort. Prayer is the work. Right? You know how much hassle, how much headache you would save if you learned to just pray. Right? You know how many things get resolved in prayer before you do anything. God is faithful to come through. Listen, the most powerful thing you can do any given day Spend some time with the Lord. Spend some quality time circling around that thing. You name your Jericho, and you circle around it, and you believe God for it, and you trust God for it, and you speak it into existence. Because God says, if you believe it, anything is possible to those who believe. Can you say amen? Amen. Prayer. Go ahead. See, here's what happens when you're in a war. Your emotions, your feelings get fogged up. It's hard to make decisions, clear-cut decisions. When this marriage is in trouble, kids are, you know, you're not sure about your finances. It's, it's easy to just start trying to figure things out. Prayer brings clarity. Prayer makes the fog lift. Right? Prayer brings perspective. Why? Because you're zeroing on your creator. You're zeroing on your maker. Don't let prayer be the last resort. Let it be the first approach. Prayer is powerful. It's powerful to live a life dedicated in prayer. Right? And then he says, it's on the seventh day that I want you to begin to worship. And you're like, makes no sense. Prayer and then worship. Like, where are the weapons? These are the weapons. These are the weapons. Okay. This is it. What does worship do? 
Hear me now. Don't, don't let them um, distract you. Here's what worship does. When you worship, when you lift up the name of God, what you're doing is you're magnifying God. When you magnify God, Jericho becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> worship is magnifying God and watching your Jericho shrink and reduce to nothing. Right? When everything within you wants to while out, well, then take it to worship. Take it to prayer. Right? Worship, watch this, shifts your focus from your problems to the problem solver. Okay? Worship, I love this, Louis Giglio said this, worship is a declaration of war against everything that God says, no, against everything that says God can't. Right? If it sounds impossible, it's time to worship. If it sounds crazy, it's time to worship. It's time to get in the presence of God. It's time to get perspective. Why? Because when you magnify God, everything else becomes so insignificantly small. Church, can I encourage you today? Worship your way into God's promises. Worship your way into God's will for your life. He's faithful. See, the ram's horn was used for going to war. It was how they used to get ready to battle, right? You know, the Old Testament worship team, when you get to David, you know how many people they had on the worship team? Anything between three to 4,000 people on the worship team. So when he says march around this place and make some noise, he wasn't talking about two or three people. He was talking about, all right, let's send out the cavalry to shake the ground of Jericho and to begin to bring it to his knees. Because when you worship me, I'm in the middle of that thing, working it out for your good, changing things for you. Worship will shift things. You see, a shout of praise is not just making noise. A shout of praise is a declaration that, God, we are releasing Right? Pop psychology says, find a release. They tell you, scream into a pillow. Find a punching bag. God says, no, shout out to me. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. Learn to say yes in the spirit. I don't just say yes for fun. I'm saying yes to everything God says it shall be done in my life. That's what worship will do. It's perspective. It's perspective. See, music is the most powerful tool that we have. That's why you like your, your playlist. You have a playlist to the gym. You have a playlist to clean the kitchen. That you have a playlist for everything. Why? Because music will begin to get into your spirit. That's why worship is so powerful. Why? Because it's different from any other songs. Why? Every other song is about your feelings and who you are and how you feel and how you're in love. Well, worship is about, no, this is who God is and, and how powerful he is and how wonderful he is and how majestic he is and how incredible he is and that in his presence, the 
there's fullness of joy and I can just get caught up in his will and begin to pull down his will over my life and, and I begin to replace my stress with this peace and, and, I, and I, I, I take my, my struggles and I replace it with this hope and with this goodness and, I, and I'm worried but I, I cast all my cares upon the Lord because he is good and he is faithful and he is powerful and he is majestic and there's nothing that can stop my God from demolishing the Jerichos in my life. Someone give Jesus some praise in this place. Psalm 95 says this. As I end, it says this. Look, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. That's what worship is. We zero in on the Lord. And you don't have to just wait till Sunday to worship. Man, get in your car. Get some worship music in your car and say, Jesus, let's go to work together. Let's go get this together. Let's go conquer this thing together. You find yourself in a bind? Worship. In the Old Testament, the prophets, when they want to hear from God, you know what they would say? Bring me a worship leader. They were in a war. They're like, Isaiah, what do we do? Isaiah's like, before we do anything, bring me the worship leader. Why? The worship leader will get me in God's throne of grace. Then I'll get the direction. I'll get the guidance. The fog clears and God speaks. And then there is breakthrough in the atmosphere when you put the Lord first in worship. Learn to release everything unto God. I was trying to find a picture of Jericho because so long ago, they didn't have Instagram. But that would have been awesome, right? An Instagram of the wall coming down. Do, can, did you find that picture for me? It's kind of like what they were doing. Naturally speaking, makes no sense. But how many, how many know the Bible says God confuses the wise? How many know God says that his weapon is not of this world? Prayer is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. Shouting is a weapon. People, why are, you, why are we screaming? Why can't we just have a nice little quiet church service? Right? Why? I don't know about you, but the battle is too strong for me to have a quiet. I need God, and I need his attention. I need to shout. I need to scream. I need to release things off of me, off of my mind, off of my eyes. I need breakthrough. I need Jesus to show up. I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I want depression to be gone. I want anxiety to be gone. I want fear to be gone. And I can't do it if I'm trying to be cute about my worship. I need to give God some praise in this place. Do I have believers who know there's victory? There's victory. There's victory. Watch the walls are coming down as you worship, as you preach, as you pray, as you pray. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up.
We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.